Well, good morning, everyone. I might as well start as I usually do. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Sarah, and I am the director of children's ministry here at South Langley Church. Usually at this point, I would be uh, dismissing the kids. Uh, however, that's already happened, and I find myself in a place that I am not usually in. I'm standing in front of a crowd of people, but there's nobody asking me if they can go to the washroom or wanting to tell me their memory verse so that they can receive uh, a ticket to spend after Sunday school. However, I hope some of you remember Ephesians 2.10 uh, from when I joined you a couple weeks ago in June. So if you'd like to interrupt me at any point to ask a question or just to tell me something completely unrelated to what I've been talking about, uh, that would be uh, what I am used to and would make me feel quite at home. Or, or not, that's okay. Before we dive in, something that some people might not know about me is that I am a highly creative person. I am an artist and I do many of these right brain creative activities but I'm also a very logical, uh, black and white type person, and I studied uh, philosophy in university, uh, specifically logic. And this duality of inside me has caused a constant war that has often affected how I uh, experience life, how I relate to other people, and especially how I relate and experience God which leads me to a launching question for today. How did you see God yesterday? Hopefully, most of us have our habit booklets here. It looks something like this. Some of you may have received one on the way in. Um, if you haven't received a book to take notes in, uh, there should be a little pieces of paper in the chair in front of you, uh, or feel free to pull out your phone, take some notes on your phone, um, or just reflect in your head. But I'll ask you the question once more. How did you see God yesterday? How did you experience him? So I'll give you time to reflect on this, to think about this. For some of you, it may have been easy to come up with a number of ways you saw God. For others, maybe it was a little bit more difficult or what you thought felt a little bit cliche. Before I dive into today's spiritual discipline, I wanted to share some words from C.S. Lewis that I love. In 1961, the Soviet leader Nikita Khrushchev declared, I love this, declared that a cosmonaut <clears throat> returned from outer space and had not found God. C.S. Lewis, in response, wrote, the Russians, I am told, report that they have not found God in outer space. The conclusion some want us to draw from this data is that God does not exist, but other conclusions might be drawn. One, we have not yet gone far enough in space. There had been ships on the Atlantic for a good time before America was discovered. Two, God does exist, but is locally confined to this planet. Three, the Russians did find God in space without knowing it because they lacked the requisite apparatus for detecting him. 
For God does exist, but is not an object either located in a particular part of space, nor is diffused, as we once thought ether was, throughout space. Space travel really has nothing to do with this matter. To some, God is discoverable everywhere. To others, nowhere. Those who do not find him on earth are unlikely to find him in space. But send up a sa saint in a spaceship, and he'll find God in space as he found God on earth. Much depends on the seeing eye. And this idea of a seeing eye for God is where I would like to begin to talk about our spiritual discipline for today. In case you've been away this summer or missed just a couple weeks, spiritual disciplines are things that we can all do to help us bring into a closer, closer relationship with God. Three weeks ago, Caleb Wolf spoke about spending quality time with God to focus on him, listen to him, talk to him, and do these all intentionally. The following week, Mark Robinson spoke about the importance of prayer, how Jesus is our example in prayer, and the context in which we find prayer in Scripture. Last week, Shirley Lowen spoke about spiritual living, spirit-filled living, and gave us some spiritual trekking poles so we can avoid being tripped up by fear, pride, willful sin, secret sin, and love of what the world has to offer. It has been wonderful to hear from so many different voices about all the different spiritual disciplines we can try to bring us into a close and closer relationship with God. I'm excited to share with you today something that has been, been beneficial to me in my walk with God. I've called today's spiritual discipline creativity, but it might be more aptly named being open to potentials or simply seeing God. Before I get any further though, let's pray together. Lord, I just wanna thank you that we can see you as long as we have the seeing eye to see you. Lord, I pray that we can continue to see God, to see you in our everyday lives, and that today we can just be encouraged to keep on practicing that. I pray these all things in your name. Amen. So almost as soon as I was asked to speak on a spiritual discipline, I knew I wanted to tackle the concept of creativity as a discipline but I knew I didn't want to tackle the arts and crafts creative side of creativity. If you're interested in that, however, feel free to talk to me after the service because it is a passion of mine. But instead, I wanted to speak about being open to the possibility of God, especially the possibility of God being near in everyday life. This idea or concept of creativity is something that I hold dear to my heart, as I do believe that God has created me to be a creative person, more so than just doing art or creative, creating things, and actually as a way of life. So much so that creativity is reflected both in my core values and my personal purpose statement that we worked on last series as we learned about focus. So I define creativity as being open to the potentials. The opposite of this idea of creativity is having a limited definition of something. 
For example, if you have a limited definition of what art can be, your chances of being a great artist are restricted because you follow the rules and might not innovate. If you have a limited definition of cooking, like I do, you will never be the next Top Chef Canada because you only follow the recipes or approved flavor combinations. I don't even actually know what that means. I just cook potatoes. Um, sorry, John. If you have a limited definition of when or where God can show up, you will only experience God during those times, like worship, prayer, or devotions. However, if you choose to embrace this idea of creativity and are open to the potential of God showing up in everyday life, he will, because as we'll see in a moment, Paul said that he, God, is not far from any one of us. And it's here that we'll look at our scripture for today in Acts 17. So if you have your Bible here, please turn with me to Acts 17, 24 to 28. If you are more advanced than I and have a Bible app, be patient with us as we turn, find our place. Uh, and if you don't have your Bible here, I'll tell you the same thing that I tell my Sunday school kids. Bring it next week so you can follow along. You won't get a ticket. You miss out on your ticket again today for missing your Bible, and you can follow along on screen. Here in Acts 17, we find Paul preaching in Athens, which was at the heart of ancient Greece. He was speaking at the Areopagus, which was a rocky outcropping, sometimes also known as Mars Hill, where a sort of supreme court would meet to discuss or decide on rulings of crimes and talk about other important things. These people were ones who liked to talk about heady things, things like ethics or philosophy. And during this time where Paul is speaking to them, I actually believe he demonstrates this idea of creativity, of being open to the potentials. He realized that the Athenians had a statue to an unknown God so that they were open to the idea of God and perhaps they were even reaching out and hoping for an encounter with God. Paul took this opportunity realizing that he could share the gospel with them and perhaps lead them to experience God for themselves. Paul was telling them that the God they believed in sorry, that the God he believes in isn't too far off from what they already believe in. So let's read. In verse 24, it starts, He is the God who made the world and everything in it. Since he is the Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples, and human hands can't serve his needs, for he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything, and he satisfies every need. From one man, he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall, and he determined their boundaries. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and exist, some of your own pro poets have said, we 
are his offspring. There are so many good things uh, in here, and even this is just a small portion of what Paul shared. But what I would like to focus on is this idea in verse 27. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way towards him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. As adults, or budding adults for uh, some of you here, we sometimes have a problem with having a fixed mindset. We expect to experience God in church or during certain religious or spiritual times. But if we're able to let go of this fixed mindset and have an eye for seeing God, then we will see him. In fact, Paul even states that God does not dwell in temples. This is where the Athenians would have likely expected God to be found, but no, God isn't there. He isn't just there. For as Paul says, he is not far from any of us, wherever we are. We just have to have the seeing eye that C.S. Lewis spoke about in order to detect him. We don't have to go far to seek after God because he is not far from any one of us. God can speak to people in unexpected ways and we will see God in unexpected places because he is the God who created everything and everything he created points to him. So I would like to tell you a story about how I recently saw God in a very unexpected place. Last week, I was a camp counselor at Stillwood Camp. That means that I had the privilege of hanging out with 10 girls for 24 hours a day, five days in a row. Some of my campers came from Christian homes and had a Christian upbringing, um, but others didn't. One of my girls, and I'll call her Jess, had been coming to Stillwood for five years, but her and her family were not Christians. Before camp started, I actually had the chance to talk with one of her counselors from a previous year, and I was warned that Jess had not been open to hearing the gospel or anything to do with God, and at some points that previous year, she had actually shown some hostility towards hearing that message. Sure enough, during chapel on our first day at camp, the entire time we were sitting there, I heard complaints about why she had to be there. And during our discussion time afterwards, she did everything she could to take this conversation off track. Eventually, this hostility ended, but it seemed to be replaced by pure disinterest. Jess was interested and engaged and participated with her cabins at all times except during chapel, campfire, or cabin devotion times. And des but despite this, we were slowly building a relationship with her, and in general, all of us as a cabin were having a great week. Then, in an unexpected way, God showed up. Or should I say, we saw God. On Thursday, we were playing an all-camp games. Now, all-camps, as they are called at Stillwood, are when everyone on camp, campers, staff, 
everyone plays a giant game over the entire property. It's like capture the flag on steroids. There's lots of running, there's lots of trails to be running down, and the entire thing sometimes feels like an accident waiting to happen. Well, sure enough, as we're running through the woods, like full speed ahead, Jess runs straight into a patch of stinging nettle. And we're at summer camp, so we're wearing shorts. It's like waist deep, and it's all over her legs, and she's doing everything in her power not to itch for fear of making it worse. So Jess and I head to the nurse's cabin to see if we can get some itch relief spray. What we don't tell campers, and hopefully there's no campers here, itch relief spray is just water, but it does help. And we're sitting there on the steps, just waiting for this water to get sprayed on our legs. And she says to me, out of nowhere, if God created everything, why did he create stinging nettle? It's such a bad thing. And I laughed because I totally agreed. And then suddenly it hit me. If God created everything. This was the first mention of God I had heard her make. So... I engaged this. We started chatting about the fact that sometimes we don't understand why God made some things, but he has a reason. Thankfully, at this point, the nurse actually came out and told us that some people actually take the roots of stinging nettle and make a tea out of it. So to some people, stinging nettle is a really good thing. And it was after that conversation that Jess's attitude towards chapel changed just a little bit. She was willing to participate in chapel. She sat and listened. She was willing to join our cabin discussion times, and she even offered some of the Bible stories that she had heard at previous years at camp. Thursday night, so that night, we were heading to bed an hour late because for the first time all week, all 10 of our girls had been talking about what they heard that night at campfire and had been asking questions about the Bible and about God. So it was as I was getting settled into my sleeping bag that I was thanking God for stinging nettle, thanking him that we can encounter him in unexpected places like a patch of stinging nettle rather than in chapel because he is not far from any one of us which we will see if we have a seeing eye for him. Another way I have regularly experienced God is in music. Often I've seen God or experienced his truth through songs during times when I have felt exceptionally far from him. For me, music has a way of cutting to my core and getting into my head. And so God has used this truth to speak to me. I would like to take a moment to play part of a song for you. It's a song called The Cave by Mumford and Sons, and it's a song that has been important to me over the course of my life. It's empty in the valley of your heart 
The sun it rises slowly as you walk Away from all the fears and all the faults you've left behind The harvest left no food for you to eat You cannibal, you meat eater, you see But I've seen the same, I know the shame in your defeat your neck and I'll find strength in pain and I will change my ways I'll know my name as it's cold again now I don't know too much about music but I do not believe that this song we just heard is a particularly breathtaking, revolutionary, or even musically remarkable song. And it's certainly a song that you won't hear on Praise 106.5 or a band that you won't find in the House of James. But it is a song that God used to get me out of a mess in my head at a time in my life that I was sure that I wanted nothing to do with God. If I hadn't been open to hearing from God in my everyday life, I am sure that this song would have just passed by like the thousands of other songs that come over the radio. But for me, God showed up as I listened to that song. He was telling me that he was holding on to hope for me, that he knew the pain that I was going through. I saw his truth and his love for me as I let the lyrics sink in. Though I didn't want to, my seeing eye for God kicked in, and in that moment, I saw that God was more than just someone we talk about in church or sang worship songs to on Sundays. He was near me because he is not far from any one of us. I'm often reminded of how near God is to us as I work here at South Langley Church. One of the reasons I love to work with kids is they don't have that fixed mindset I spoke about with this expectation of where they should see or where they should experience God. Because they are open to the potentials, if you give them the chance, they will watch for him everywhere they go in every potential situation. This was demonstrated for me during our Maker Fun Factory VBS, the summer camp we ran at the beginning of July, where we had over 70 kids come to South Langley Church over four days. In our elementary program, we practiced something called God sightings, where we challenged the kids to watch for God, and when they saw God, they would record it. We chose to make note of our God sightings by making a paper chain. we had over 235 God sightings. I loved listening in on these conversations about God sightings, hearing these young people share about how they saw God, maybe in a beautiful flower, 
in a tasty treat or through a friendship. One of my favorite conversations I heard was a young boy shared that he had seen God while running around playing a game on our front lawn. One of the older kids in the group kind of questioned him. I don't think you saw God there as we were playing tag. We were just having fun. And the boy responded with something along the lines of, but there were smiles on everyone's faces, so he had to be there. And I just so cried hearing that. If only I had it in my mind to see God in every smile and friendly interaction, my life would be so different. If I wasn't always searching for that mountaintop, life-changing God encounter, I would see that God is all around me. If I had a seeing eye for God, I would know that he is not far from any one of us. And it's with this desire to understand that he's not far from any one of us that I would challenge us to develop or to continue developing a seeing eye for God. To do this, I suggest that we exercise our creativity, our openness to the potential of God showing up. So get your tablet booklets ready or pull out your phone because here's your try this to write down. Once a day, for a week, write down three ways you saw God. I'll give you a chance to get that down. I know, sometimes it takes a while. Once a day, for a week, write down three ways you saw God. By writing it down, you will cement this concept in your mind, and you'll be more likely to think of it throughout the day. And something important to note as you begin this journey is that there is a lot of overlap between ways we see God and things that we thank God for, and that overlap is okay. I am very thankful that God is not far from us and that we can see him in our day-to-day -day lives. We can be thankful for those God sightings in our life, but I think the difference between seeing God and being thankful for things he has given us is this. If I did not see stinging nettle as a potential opportunity to see God, I would not be thankful for it. If I did not see the potential in the joy on a child's face as a reflection of God's joy, I would appreciate it and I would enjoy it, but I wouldn't necessarily be thanking God for it. So as you write down your three things each day, it's okay if it feels like a list of things to be thankful for, because we should be thankful for them, because it means God is near us in our everyday lives, and we're actually noticing him. So let's look at Acts 17 one more time. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way towards him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. God isn't far from us. We need to let go of any fixed mindset that we have about where we expect to see God like how the Athenians may have expected God to be found in a temple in a holy place. 
he's here with us now, but he isn't confined to this place, to a church made by the hands of men. He is everywhere, all around us. We don't have to jump through hoops to get a glimpse of him. He's part of our daily lives. We just have to develop a seeing eye that allows us to take notice of him. It's not bad to pursue, to yearn for, to want these mountaintop God experiences. The road to Damascus encounters where you have no choice but to see and acknowledge God. And it's wonderful when we do experience God during those expected times, during times of worship or reflection. But we have to appreciate the ways we experience and see God in our day-to-day lives. And in order to develop the seeing eye, we need to turn this discipline of being open to the potential of seeing God into a habit of seeing him. The interesting thing about developing a discipline is that some days you may not feel like doing it. Some days you may not feel like you're seeing God or you may feel very far from him. But even on those days, you should take notice of him. Force yourself to acknowledge his presence. And I'd even say that we should especially be practicing having a seeing eye for God on those days. And if you stick with it and keep pursuing it, it will become more and more of a natural process. You will develop a seeing eye for God. So I challenge you to try to stick with your try this for this week. I don't want this to be a daunting task for you, and in case you're feeling like you don't know where to start, I've asked my friend Kim to share three times she has seen God lately as just a quick example of what you might write down. Uh, Kent, do you have the, oh, it's right there, perfect, thank you. I prepared four. Oh, perfect. Okay, I got over eager. So, uh, I see God when I notice something that he's created. So, like gravity or the air flight of birds. And I saw a feather on the ground yesterday and it reminded me of the creator. And I picked up the feather. Last night, My neighbors gathered outside for some streetlight basketball and hanging out, and I felt that the love of God had brought us together. And one of the daddies picked up the little three-year-old in a bell dress, and she had a basketball, small basketball in her hand, and he lifted her, and she cocked back, and she threw down, and the whole crowd, we all did the wave. (laughs) And I felt like uh, the cloud of witnesses, like, yeah, they were doing the wave too. Uh, I talked with my grandma, and she told me that when my grandfather got Alzheimer's, that the two of them sat on the bed and held hands. Our hearts were open to each other, she said. And then this song came on the radio. I have a song, too. And I know that God is personally telling me, Kim, I don't care who you are where you're from don't care what you did as long as you love me thank you thank you kim that was that was beautiful so once a day 
for the next week, take time to write down three ways you saw God. By writing it down and being diligent about it, you will hopefully begin to develop a seeing eye for God. Maybe you do this with your spouse at night or with your family at the dinner table, though I warn you, your kids will likely be better at it than you are. Or maybe you agree with a friend that every evening you'll text each other and tell the three ways so you're accountable to each other. Or even just keeping this booklet or piece of paper nearby so you can jot things down as they happen. Three things every day for seven days, or maybe longer, you don't have to stop. You will see him. He isn't far from any one of us. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you are near us, and thank you that we can see you, and that you are a part of our everyday lives. I pray that we can see you, that we will be open to you being part of our life, that we will notice you, we will acknowledge you, and we will thank you for these times. I pray for these people as they go from here, as we all go from here. You're in our everyday lives. I hope that we can all see that. We know that you are there, God. We just need to live it out. In Jesus' name, amen.